It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Reports Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello and welcome in. It is our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Um, boy, it's the turn of the weather has been so nice. It kind of, as the old saying goes, feels like uh, football weather, uh, good football weather. And Kentucky will be playing a week from Saturday. We'll be talking about that today with Larry Vaught, uh, who uh, is out of town. So we had to switch him up to today. Uh, so we'll chat with Larry about some UK football and basketball topics. Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Uh, his regular slot's going to be Wednesdays now as we move into football season. And uh, lots to talk about uh, with Kyle. Uh, one of his uh, colleagues has written a story at The Athletic about the NCAA Division One Council that's voting today on when to start the season. So we'll get into uh, that and more. Let's get right to the Wildcat news of the day. And it starts with Eddie Grand. His conversation with the media yesterday after practice, Tuesday's the day when they interview, get interviews with the guys on the offensive side. Coach Grand talked about being frustrated by some penalties that stalled the first two drives for the first string unit on Saturday in their final scrimmage. Said he's still evaluating the two deep for the Auburn game. He was asked about players that have caught his eye. Uh, and he, again, mentioned Demarcus Harris and Bryce Oliver at wide receiver. And once again, Chew Tom McClain, he keeps coming up. I mean, this is a guy that is a newcomer uh, in a running back room that includes A.J. Rose, who Mark Stoops raved about on Monday night, um, Cavassier Smoke, Chris Rodriguez, all impactful contributors last year, uh, Travis Tisdale, who uh, Coach Stoops again talked on Monday about the great home run hitter type speed that uh, Tisdale brings to the mix, and yet McLean keeps getting uh, mentioned. So that just serves to underscore how well uh, he must be doing in practices to catch the eye of the coaches, because you know that's it's there's no reason uh, other than that talking them up the way that they have been. So um be interested to see what kind of uh, – at, at this point, I'd be surprised if he uh, if he doesn't get a little bit of action down at Auburn uh, as much as they have talked him up. Uh, but I was remember, too, as good as Benny Snell looked in scrimmages leading up to the opener in 2016, it was still um, week three, really, before – he made uh, got a chance to make any significant contributions at running back. He was just on special teams. So we'll see how that plays out. But um, Juton McClain definitely one to keep an eye on. And uh, Coach Grant also praised Austin Dotson's improvement. Uh, Dotson uh, talked to the media as well about uh, – it says he's playing uh, right guard in uh, the battle with uh, Horsey for that starting spot, which means that – uh, Luke Fortner is moving over to the left side where Logan Stenberg played. But as we've seen with John Schlarman before in his offensive line, uh, he's not afraid to use multiple guys and to uh, move them to different positions. So, you know, there might be times when, you know, who knows, you could see a, 
you know, Kennard uh, play guard. They've always thought that could be perhaps his ultimately best position, but he's been so good at tackle they didn't want to move him from there. If you watched the NBA playoffs last night, you were treated to some outstanding performances by former Wildcats. The uh, second game was the Game 7 between the Nuggets and the Clippers, which Denver won, culminating a comeback from down three games to one. And Jamal Murray had a 40-point game to lead the way for Denver. So they now play the the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. So you'll have Murray on one side, and you'll have uh, Rondo, Anthony Davis on the other side for the Lakers. In the early game last night, Bam Adebayo, just an incredible block of uh, Jason Tatum right at the rim at the end of the game to preserve a victory for Miami. It was a two-point game at that point, and Tatum got a lane to the basket. If you didn't see it, go watch the highlight because it looks like he's going to throw down a monster dunk, and uh, Bam, at risk of getting posterized, instead blocks the shot, turns it away, and uh, goes down makes a free throw in the heat. Uh, win by three in game one of that series and Tyler Hero hit some big shots at the end of uh, regulation there's a, a block um, I tell you I will oh wait when when Larry comes on we'll talk about a, a famous block shot by a uh, Kentucky player uh, in college and this is going to go way back it's not an Anthony Davis one or a Nerlens Noel one but uh, we'll talk about that with Larry here in just a bit um, also I mentioned the uh, NCAA Division One men's basketball or Division One councils voting today on when to start the season. Uh, Jeff Goodman of the Stadium uh, reported that they're going to recommend at least four non-conference games for every team. Um, there have been some things written about uh, the, the possibility of starting on November 21st instead of the 25th because of some of the multi-team events that were scheduled for the 21st or the 22nd, and they could avoid having to, to change the dates on those. And if that happens, uh, I've seen some talk about, well, would Kentucky open up in the Champions Classic on on the same day that they play Alabama? I would be surprised if that happened because um, that's a huge event uh, for college basketball, for ESPN. And why would you risk losing so many eyeballs by putting it on a college football Saturday or an NFL Sunday? So I would suspect it would be the following week. Um, and would be a deal where they'd go to Orlando and be able to play a round robin over the course of that week in between the football weekends would be, I would imagine that would uh, be the way they would do it because first and foremost, they're focusing on getting the eyeballs on it and getting the the best ratings possible. And I would think they would do that by playing uh, in between the football weekends. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Le- Leach Report page. That's at TomLeachKY.com. When we come back, Larry Vaughn joins the program. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Breakfast, brunch, lunch. Get it all from Wild Eggs in Hamburg in Palomar. They want to thank all of you guys for doing uh, so many takeout orders during these crazy times. Or Wild Eggs. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Sixteen past the top of the hour as we roll on with our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. 
Uh, Keeneland yesterday announced no seating, no tickets for the general public at the upcoming fall meet, which starts two weeks from Friday. Uh, and it's going to be essential personnel, uh, participants, um, the owners, trainers, jocks, etc. And then they will have some limited opportunity for sponsors, uh, box holders, Keeneland Clubhouse members to um, come out for uh, some some days at the races, but no uh, general public because of the uh, coronavirus situation. Larry Vaught joins us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, Larry, I saw a story from uh, Saturday Down South yesterday uh, where they are going through an exercise of predicting game by game uh, the season for each of the teams in the SEC. And so they took on Kentucky yesterday. Uh, the writer starts out by saying, if you're still not a Mark Stoops believer, man, I don't know what to tell you. So you get the feeling it's going to be uh, somewhat positive at least. And they have Kentucky going 6-4 and four with wins over Auburn, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Missouri, Vandy, and South Carolina. Losses to Mississippi State, Georgia, Bama, and Florida. So they have them... Um, Beating two teams they'd be probably underdogs against in Auburn and Tennessee and losing one game in which they'd be favored against Mississippi State. So you can debate that, but 6-4 uh, and four does not sound uh, un- unreasonable or uh, an unfair assessment of the Wildcats, I don't think. What do you think? No, I would agree with you, Tom, and I, I think both of us are pretty optimistic about the team. It's just then you have to stop and think the schedule's just a little bit different than what it normally yeah. Is and it makes you kind of because like so when you said six and four for the that that doesn't sound right. Then I listed and you got six and, and the six includes wins over Auburn and Tennessee. Well, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And, and the losses, I don't think going in, I could feel that those are ones I would disagree with. Other than Mississippi State, a team that I think Kentucky will beat. But then again, six and four. That's uh, I could I, I, that could be a reasonable prediction. I think I'm going to go. Seven and three, just because I, I think this is the year that if there's ever a year Kentucky could do it, this would be it. And I may not have many more years to see them go seven and three. <laughs> and a conference player win seven conference games, so I, w- I want to see it happen. But again, it's just a, a small sign of respect. I think the, the way this story sounds like it was written, and that's uh, kind of what's Mark Stoops building. It just inch by inch, but he keeps adding more and more respect to Kentucky football. I think. Absolutely, and uh, you know the uh, I would not pick them to lose to Mississippi State, especially given that it's it's here and they'll have at least some level of of fan support. Um, but I will say I, I've I've seen some reports where people talk about you know having to learn a new system with uh, you know uh, Mike Leach's system of Mississippi State. That uh, you remember from the air raid days when Coach Mummy was here. That's about as as it's a, it's a very easy system to learn. Uh, there's not a great learning curve. Now, what is the curve comes in mastering it, uh, but just learning it uh, is uh, is not that uh, difficult. That's part of the, the the beauty of it. What they liked about it as coaches is the simplicity. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I, I would worry more about whether in his first year, Mike Leach has the personnel to run. There's the, the key. That he really wants to run. I mean, how how mummy had a little uh, plus with a guy named Tim Couch. <laughs> and Craig East wasn't 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 a bad helper either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they had some guys that were already. Anthony White was already here. Yeah, so, I mean, they had they had some guys. Derek Homer, like that, that worked into that system pretty nice. I just don't think that Mississippi State, from what I've seen, 
would have quite that. Now, of course, maybe he's going to play all freshmen in some of these spots. I, I don't know, but uh, I'm with you. I think learning that system is one thing, but executing it and having the players to execute it, that's a whole different thing. That's why I'm with you. I just don't think I could see Mississippi State beating Kentucky. But then again, when I think about uh, that would be your seven wins, and based on what you, we were talking about earlier, that would still include wins over Auburn and, and Tennessee. That That'd be pretty impressive. You know, there is as a program is is building. There is a um, you know learn, learning how to be good element. I guess might be the easiest way to to put it. Where you um, you know have to uh, learn how to uh, manage the, you know those expectations, the way people come at you differently, or whatever. And I think back to twenty eighteen. I, I ha- I've always felt that they probably were looking ahead to Georgia a little bit when they went out and struggled with Missouri. They were able to – the, the mark of, of a good team, which that one was, was to still find a way to win. But, um, you know, that's you know part of it. There was a you know great hype coming. You could just sense of it, you know, what was going to be on the line, if uh, potentially on the line for Kentucky-Georgia that year, and it ultimately was. And, you know, if they start off in, in winning at Auburn, then they're going to suddenly be, you know, one of the darlings – uh, and getting a lot of attention, and it'll be a you know a, a new thing to have to manage. Uh, absolutely, I've, I've said for years that ha- handling adversity is something that Kentucky football is used to handling prosperity. Yeah. Have not had a whole lot of experience doing that, it, and it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it, but it is a big deal. And you're right, beating Auburn could do one or two things. It mean it could propel you to a great season. Say, hey guys, let's let's keep this rolling. Look what we've got going. Or it could kind of make you relax and feel like you're you're kind of there, and and not allow you to finish the season the way that you want to. But again, it seems like that's one thing that Mark and his staff have been really good at is keeping guys motivated and on task. But again, as you noted, most of time it's been because they've been the underdog. So many darn times they've been able to play that underdog role. If they start out and beat uh, Albert. That all of a sudden they're going to get a lot of national publicity, a lot of pats on the back right off the the bat, and that's going to be different for them. Yeah, it is. Now you know it's you know what do they say? First world problems. Uh, you know you <laughs> it, it, uh, on the list of problems, that's the one you want rather than learning to deal with adversity. But uh, nevertheless, it is, uh, and it's something you know for us to to talk about. But it's a it's the problem you you want to have versus the one of having to. Uh, get out of the hole all the time. We're going to take a quick break. Larry Vaught's with us from VaughtsViews.com, and we'll be right back to continue the discussion. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Chat with Larry Vaughn of the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, and we'll shift gears to Kentucky basketball, and you have a story at VaughtsViews.com about Davion Mintz, and uh, you got a chance to get some interesting quotes from Kenny Payne before he left town. Yeah, I had a chance to talk with with Kenny quite a bit about some different things, and uh, one thing I'm going to miss about Kenny, that he was so good when he talked to you about anything and explaining it all, and he, he's really high on, on Davion Mintz and what he can mean to Kentucky. I mean, obviously he's talking about the leadership aspect that he brings to the point guard with all the games that he's played for Creighton and how important that could be and how much that could help uh, uh, David Askew. But he also talked about, excuse me, Tom, also talked about that how good Davion is at creating an offense for the team and how good he is in the open court and with the pace that 
Kenny thinks Kentucky's going to want to play this year, how good that could be for Kentucky. So, and he's a guy that he said he understands the challenge of what he's facing when he got here, and he, and he wanted to come to Kentucky. So, I think Kenny thinks that Davion's not just a guy here to kind of be a mentor to younger players, that he thinks he's a guy that could be in that rotation and play a big, big part for Kentucky. And as Kenny said, he's not just going to hand the starting job to Devin Askew. He's going to come in and try to compete for that. So uh, I, I thought Davion would be a good player for Kentucky. But after talking to Kenny, I think maybe he's going to be even better than what I thought. Interesting. Um, and he uh, was a valuable part of uh, you know, a good Creighton program um, and played at a high level. Uh, absolutely right, but I, I know one the one thing that Kenny told me that he says uh, he says I think he'll surprise people. Kenny's not one that usually just kind of makes idle statements like no. that at all. So that, that told me how much he he likes him. So I'm really anxious here, whatever it turns out to be, and wherever they end up playing, I'm anxious to see him get a chance to play. I want to talk about uh, the play Bam made last night, that incredible block. I uh, told the audience earlier there was a, a block shot I wanted to talk about, and I would wait till you joined us because you might remember this. Um, and I, I didn't see it. I just heard about it. This was, you know, in a uh, non-social media age. It was the uh, it was like November of 77, uh, the championship year it would be for Kentucky. And they played the uh, Russian national team in an exhibition game at the Coliseum. And it was on a Friday night, I think. So I was doing a high school football game and didn't get to go. May have been the same for you. I don't know. But uh, the Russian team had a guy that was like 7'4", 300 pounds, and he went for a dunk and almost got the ball down into the rim and james lee blocked it and the roof came off of the coliseum supposedly and that i thought about that when i saw you see the picture of bam's hand is actually bent back into the rim blocking that shot last night yeah that's a good memory time i i was there and that was probably the oh. most incredible block i have ever i've ever seen it james i thought was going to tear the rim down blocking that shot and the look on that big russian's face I, i'm guessing that might have been the first time he ever had a shot blocked because, like you say, I don't remember exactly how tall he was, but he was he was huge, and I, I don't imagine that size you're used to getting it blocked. And he just kind of gawked. And I, if that wasn't the loudest I've ever heard Memorial Coliseum in the limited times I was in there, I can't think of what would have been better. And the way that uh, the Kentucky teammates reacted, especially the guys on the bench at the time when when he made that block, it was unreal. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I did. Uh, it's great that you were there because I had just heard about it. It was like just legendary for me. So uh, that is cool. Thank you. That's a great story, Larry. Enjoy your trip down in uh, St. Augustine, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, Tom. Thanks. As Larry Vaught, Kyle Tucker's next. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now here's Tom. Second half of our Wednesday show, we welcome in Kyle Tucker on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. You can read him at TheAthletic.com about the Cats and also about the Tennessee Titans. And we may get to a little NFL here in a minute, uh, Kyle. But first, I wanted to start. Did you uh, watch the Heat game last night, see the big play by Bam? I did, yeah. I saw Tyler Hero came up with some huge plays down the stretch. He had a couple of, of monster threes in the last three minutes of regulation, and then Bam... With, I mean, I think it's kind of universally accepted now, uh, one of the great blocks of all time. Um, when you consider the circumstance, the guy he was trying to uh, to block, uh, the force that 
Tatum was coming with, the, the stakes in the moment, um, that's that's one, especially if the Heat win this series, that's one that's going to be shown over and over and over again for a long, long time. Yeah, LeBron had one in the finals against Golden State uh, two or three years ago, and then Tayshon had a big one against the year the Pistons won against, I think, Reggie Miller, where he chased him down and um, <clears throat> blocked a shot, prevented a basket uh, against the Pacers. But you know, this one with uh, with Bam was just you know the the f- it's one thing to kind of chase a guy down and he's shooting a shot and you block it off the board. I mean, this was you know mano a mano. As I said earlier, he was at risk of being posterized and he didn't back down from that risk and instead won the battle. Yeah, I said last night, I mean, when Tatum rose up and cocked it back like that, that play was going to end with an all-time highlight. I mean, if he had dropped a hammer on Bam's head and sent the game to overtime, you know, that's a legendary play as well. But Bam somehow, and, and you see in the still photos, I mean, his arm gets bent all the way his wrist, all the way back into the basket, and he still turns that shot away. Um the, the athleticism and timing to get there and the and the strength and power to turn it back. I mean, not many really humans on the planet can make that play. And, and so, uh, it was it was pretty cool to see. And and by the way, Bam Adebayo, 23 years old, Tyler 20 years old, uh, Jamal Murray, who dropped 40 in the Game 7 uh, to come back and, and erase the 3-1 deficit against the Clippers and get to the Western Conference Finals, uh, 23 years old, Um these guys are young and they're already um, stars in the league. It's uh, this is definitely the the Kentucky basketball slash John Calipari flex uh, playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah, we we would in a uh, old school world we would have uh, just uh, witnessed um, Bam Adebayo's senior year at Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, gosh, that's that's crazy to think about. Um, that it, it's also sort of a regular reminder, um, and I think people, when you think about the sort of the what ifs for Kentucky, a lot of times maybe maybe that the 2017 team gets you know shuffled behind you know finishing off the undefeated season in 2015 or winning in the national championship game the year before, uh, or, or you know John Wall's team not getting to a Final Four, but 2017 Kentucky with Bam and and Monk and Fox um, was one of the, one of the one of the best teams ever not to get to the Final Four. I think that that was a ridiculous group of guys. With uh, Bam, two things about Bam. Number one, after seeing the way his hand did get bent back into the rim and he still blocked the shot, probably one of the the top five guys I would least want to arm wrestle. And secondly, yeah. is he the biggest overachiever? to this point of the Cal players relative to expectations when he left Kentucky, or is it Devin Booker? Or is it somebody else? Yeah, I mean, I think if you ask Cal Perry, if you ask Kenny Payne, if you ask Joel Justice, if you ask any of those guys, I don't think they would say that he's overachieved from what they thought. Uh, I remember talking to those guys back then, um, and they thought, you know, he's just getting started. Like, he could be really, really great. Um I, I do think that they they saw that coming from him. Um, by the way, he won an NCAA tournament game with a block shot at Wichita State. Uh, yeah, was it out on the perimeter, round, uh, stepped out and blocked a three. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if the people who actually coached them. 
I would say they would probably think Devin Booker is more of an overachiever. And it's not that I don't I don't think they they didn't think he was going to go be a good pro. I think they did. But he's become, you know, a franchise player, a superstar. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that they saw that coming. So I, I would I'd probably say it's Booker. Um, I'm trying to think who else would even be in the conversation because it's hard to it's hard to like exceed your hype when you're coming out of Kentucky. Right. Um, Good you know, point. Most of those guys are pretty hyped as it is, but I, those that's probably the the guys that are in the conversation. I mean, Tyler Hero may get there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I know people loved him while he was here and thought highly of him, but he he or PJ one assist away. Or PJ, yeah. You said PJ Washington. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, you know, Tyler Hero was one assist away at age 20 <laughs> in the <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals from a triple double, um, and and it was not a empty, hollow, you know, stat line. He was making some huge clutch plays. Uh, made a had a chase down a long rebound and made a ridiculous bounce pass in transition to to Bam. I think in overtime. Um, you know, he's a guy who. I think it is only going to get obviously only going to get better. I think he could become a sort of bona fide star as well. You were talking about that seventeen team with Fox and Monk and Bam and uh, Hawkins, Willis, um, and that's Calipari's highest scoring team per game average, averaged in the nineties. Um, this team is going to have a lot of firepower coming up um, for this season. More if if Sar gets eligible, but even if not, just those guys on the perimeter, uh, Boston and Clark, uh, Askew and etc. Um, could this team be as potent or the second most potent Calipari team offensively? Well, I mean, one of the reasons they 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 were so potent and they scored so much in, in part was they had a you know a jet engine at point guard, um, and I don't. I don't think they're going to have that this year. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they have anybody who can play as fast as De'Aaron Fox plays. I say I don't know. Maybe they put Terrence Clark at the point, let him just let him go. You know, open up the engine and let it let it run. But um, but in turn, I mean, I, I do think they could play a style. I, I mean, I could envision very easily. In fact, even maybe with maybe more likely without if they didn't have Sar. If Sar didn't get the waiver. Uh, I think they'd be forced almost to just play kind of a wide open, get it and go um, style, and they may Cal may settle on that anyway. He's got some really good athletes. He's got some really good scorers. He's he's loaded up on wings. Um, you know, if if Devin Askew ends up being the primary, uh, you've got a guy who who loves to attack. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't know, I don't know if I'm gonna I'm ready to put anybody on the level of that of that 2017 team uh, as a you know from from the firepower uh, explosive offense standpoint, but I, I do think this team has at least the raw materials to to be a really fun product to watch. Talking with Kyle Tucker of theAthletic.com. We'll take a quick break and continue in just a moment here on the Leach Report. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Quarter before the top of the hour, chat with Kyle Tucker on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, writes for TheAthletic.com, covering the Cats and the Tennessee Titans. And... Uh, 
without giving away too much, is there anything in particular you're uh, working on we should be watching for? Uh, yeah, I'll have uh, I, I I should have a huge um, Kentucky football story coming soon. <laughs> I can't, I don't actually know when the published date's going to be. It'll either be right before the first game or right after. I'm not sure uh, when we're going to put that out. Um, it may have one other before the season starts. Um, but yeah, and then you know, tonight is going to be. This afternoon or tonight is probably going to be when we find out the start date for college basketball. Well, that's where I was going next. Yeah, um, which is going to be, you know, probably in that Thanksgiving week range. Uh, I think I think November twenty first is the date that's been bounced around the most. Um, and so, you know, if the college basketball season actually gets cranked up, I'll be uh, making trips back and forth between uh, Nashville and Lexington. Uh, so, um, looking forward to that as well, but, uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether you and I end up seeing each other in a bubble somewhere. I've actually been (laughs) having conversations with, with my boss about, you know, uh, are you good with packing up for (laughs) weeks at a time if you have to, and, uh, and going to a bubble somewhere. And, and thankfully now that we've moved closer to home and have some help with the kids, I'm, I'm able to do that, um, if I need to, but it's going to be a strange world. Uh, you know, if, if they end up, whether it be the NCAA tournament or we could, we could end up beginning the season in bubbles, um, kind of smaller bubbles and, and ending the season with an NCAA tournament bubble. Um, and it'll be a wild ride. Don't even know, are they going to let any media in? You know, or will, will, will we all be zooming with, uh, with people the whole time? I, I don't know that, but it's, I do know it's going to be, uh, college football and college basketball season are going to be a strange, wild ride this year. Yeah, I've had that same thought as far as will they allow us to go uh, do the games on site? Because uh, initially, I think down in the uh, with the NBA, the guys were doing them from uh, doing games from studios. And then I was saying earlier, I'll see if you agree that if the uh, cha- let's say the Champions Classic, they keep it as an early season, you know, right at the start of the season event. I can't imagine they would start that thing on a college football Saturday. I would think they would, uh, you know, it'd be you're going to be playing. Each team's going to be playing three games. You would start it maybe on Monday night and and play all week long down between college football Saturdays in Orlando. Yeah, I, I mean, and that'll be flexible. That'll just be the day you can start. But yeah, right. I would I would tend to agree with you that they're not going to. They, or they would try not to uh, collide. You know, it's been weird. I, Right now, it's hard to avoid, you know, sports to avoid each other. Does that mean exactly? Yeah, there may not be space for it on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about that at the very beginning. Like at whatever point sports started back up, everything was going to basically be running at the same time, uh, and it's uh, it's uh, one reason I sort of don't. You know, you see all these people reporting on ratings and this or that, or why are the ratings down? Is it related to the social justice movement and people are sick of hearing it and stick to sports? I mean, there's probably some of that, but also I, I think people are like, after having no sports, are almost totally overloaded and don't know where to look, uh, you know, what to look at with sports. You've got NFL and college, colleges starting at these staggered times and, uh, the NBA bubble has been incredible and now Major League Baseball, um, going on and all this other stuff it's uh, it's sort of wild to see well i'm watching the nba playoffs last night and then my reds are surging so trying to check check in on the reds so i know what you mean 
and then here yeah, tomorrow the U.S. Open is going to be going uh, too. <laughs> right, and I think uh, Woj just reported. Uh, let me pull it up. The NBA draft date is official now. Uh, also in the in the in the uh, list of weird things, the NBA draft, which we've all come to know is going to be in the teens of June, uh, is now November eighteenth for twenty twenty, <laughs> which is right uh, after the Masters. Or Thanksgiving NBA draft. It's really weird. Actually, it's not. It's like going on during the Masters. In the Masters that week? Oh, gosh, yeah. To add to the weirdness, of course, yeah, the Masters and the draft uh, and college basketball and college football and, and uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, yeah. All so, you know, running concurrently. If you want the Champions Classic on ESPN, I don't know that it can be because they, they aren't taking college football <laughs> off for it. So yeah, you that's might why have to play that thing on a on a Wednesday at midnight. I mean, yeah, maybe they'll do the uh, maybe they'll do the twenty four hours of hoops thing again, and, and they'll play play those games at two o'clock in the morning. Your uh, well, there could be worse ideas. Your uh, colleague Dana O'Neill has a, a, a extensive uh, story up at uh, the Athletic about um, the back story, kind of on this vote that is coming today, and people are hearing a lot about uh, Dan Gavitt. And um, if you don't know him, a, you get a little education about him. And here, you just as you're a fan, you kind of heard this name that you hadn't heard much before in the last couple of years. And his dad, Dave Gavitt, was the guy who was the Providence coach in the 70s when they went to the Final Four with Ernie D. Gregorio and Marvin Bad News Barnes. And then he was the commissioner of the Big East. And he's, you know, uh, I'm sure was would have made a tremendous politician in that he could get multiple parties types of personalities to come together and uh give and take a little bit and and make something big happen like he did with the big east and apparently his uh, the apple didn't fall far from the tree when you read dana's story and that's you know why we're seeing dan gavitt's name pop up a lot he's kind of become the ncaa's basketball guru because he can get all these sides to to work together yeah he's a really impressive guy a couple years ago i went up uh to indianapolis before the day before um, Kentucky played in the, I guess, Champions Classic up there to start the season, uh, went over to NCAA headquarters, met with a bunch of people there just sort of informally. Um, Gavitt was one of them. Um, and he's just, he is, he's a very impressive guy. I think he is uh, sort of widely liked and respected, which is a huge deal. Um, and he's sharp and he cares deeply uh, about the NCAA tournament. Um, and I think one of the things I've been impressed by with basketball, and, and and it helps that they have this sort of centralized figure, which football has not, um, is they they started thinking about it much further out, it feels like, and they started thinking outside the box almost immediately. Um, it wasn't how can we, you know, how can we hold, cross our fingers and hope for this to get better and, and maybe we can play just, uh, you know, as close to normal as we can, it was, well, that'd be great, but what are the other options? Um, you know, because it it, on, on the surface, the first reaction to, like, let's bubble up and play these non-conference bubbles or let's try to put a giant NCAA tournament in a bubble um, is just to dismiss it out of hand. But they've entertained all those sort of out-of-the-box ideas and tried to go through um, how could you what, – what is actually feasible? What could we do? Because they want to get the season played. Um, the only – it's going to – as it turns out, the only thing that – the only sport, uh, major sport, that will have 
been fully canceled from, by COVID was college basketball uh, that didn't have a chance to play out their their season. Uh, you know, football was done before it hit. You know, the NBA came back and they're going to crown a champion, and, and uh, Major League Baseball and NFL and now college football. Basketball was the only one that got lopped off completely. No, no resolution to the season because it hit right, landed right at the time of, of COVID breaking out. Uh, they're they're not going to let that happen again. Uh, and so I'm I am now largely because of Dan Gavitt, uh, but also just the greater motivation to get it played. I, I'm I feel very confident there'll be a college basketball season and they'll find a way to to have a champion. Kyle Tucker at TheAthletic.com, and uh, look for the uh, U.K. football story coming soon, uh, next week to 10 days, it sounds like. So, Kyle, we appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thank you. We'll get to our final break and come back and wrap things up in just a moment here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Guests on our show come to you via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Make sure you follow Kentucky Hemp Works on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Great info and some fun giveaways, too, that you can uh, be a part of. What you'll see on the uh, YouTube page is some uh, videos that give you the backstory on their operation and the importance of what the hemp industry could mean for Kentucky farms like theirs and maybe yours. They're a certified Kentucky proud operation, three generations of the same family growing the hemp in their fields and processing it on site as well into various products from CBD oil to hemp seed oil, hemp root salve. There's a hemp infused hand sanitizer, a tremendous array of products you can make with Kentucky grown hemp. And you can find all about it at KentuckyHempWorks.com. more than just CBD. Uh, I wanted to, um, Note, I think I missed this, that the all-rookie team came out yesterday. Two Wildcats on the second team. We were talking about them with Kyle a moment ago. Tyler Hero and P.J. Washington, both second-teamers. This day in Kentucky Wildcat history, 1995. Kentucky ended a 12-game losing streak with a big win up at Indiana, 17-10. to Billy Jack Haskins, I think, was one of the stars of that one for Kentucky. That's going to do it for this edition of the Leach Report. Back tomorrow with Mike Pratt, Justin Rowland. T.J. Beister on the Leach Report Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on 